0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams.
1: The JSE has closed its doors for another day, so it's time for the five o'clock shadow. And tonight I'm speaking to Viv Govender from Rand Swiss in Johannesburg. I'm looking at the, um, the trading statement ream that came out throughout the day. I've got Metair, attack... Northern Platinum, what's the other one, Tungela, OutSurance, Exaro, Capitec, and a set of results from Sunnam. So lots of trading statements, one set of results. Uh, the one that really caught my eye was Exaro with the trading statement, meaning the share price on my slightly delayed screen down 4.3%. Is that one that you follow, Viv? Uh,
0: yes, most certainly I do. Look, uh, I, I do think when it comes to the energy market, there's been such fluctuations recently uh that you know you, you are you know you, you don't even know what the 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 uh, the, the benchmark is going to be of these things i mean uh, from from the from the outset you look at the company uh and you'll see that hey, a profits are up nicely you know earnings are so, and so and so and so and so but if you look at for instance, where this company was at the start of 2022 till now it's still up you know like 70 uh yes it's down from the peak but i mean this thing has done really really well uh you know uh not sorry, 24% from the start of, of last year till now, about 24%. Yeah. But 74%, 71% sorry, done over the last five years. So it's it's done really well. But uh, you know I think right now we are seeing maybe some of those uh, I think dire fears around energy you know, shortages kind of go away and you know with that some of the the preview we're getting from some of these companies has also disappeared.
1: Okay, so that's Exaro. I, mean, I just look at the whole commodity sector and every single report that I read and every time I speak to somebody, they say, well, you know, they're down at the moment, but they're presenting such good value in the medium term, whether it would be a, a platinum group metal producer in South Africa or whether it be a bulk commodity producer like Exaro or Kumba Iron Ore or something like that part of the Anglo-American stable. What is your overall view? Because if we are going into recession in a year's time or something or easing into a recession over the next year or so worldwide, then surely commodities won't be in such demand.
0: That is true, but remember also that there's a lot of commodities taken off the market, you know, uh, and supply chains are shifting around as well. Uh, so it, it's, it's a bit m- m- more difficult to predict than you would think, because uh, look, there's a couple of factors. Of course, the Ukrainian Russia war, but also the I think there's something that's kind of flying under the radar, but it's actually very important. It's the onshoring nearshoring of uh, manufacturing that's been happening. Uh, French shoring, you know what I mean? People yes. trying to get China out of their supply chains. What's that gonna kind of result in is is, is is a bifurcated, you know, supply system. And whereas all these companies in the past were basically designed to dig a mountain out of the ground, put it in a ship and get it to China, they may have to dig a mountain out of the ground, get it in a ship and maybe put it to, you know, Mexico or, you know, wherever the new uh, uh, you know manufacturing hub of the world is gonna like you know go to. Uh, and that, I think, is going to change some of these valuations. So you can't just say, you know, all uh, producers are going to be off. That's number one. And number two, the, the changing of supply chains is going to require a lot of investment. And that investment is going to be physical investment as well, which is also going to boost up this, the demand for certain raw materials. So if you're going to have to have two you know, factories in the world that produce a certain thing as opposed to one you're going to have to basically build that second factory, and that's going to also consume uh, Mm. stuff, you know what I mean?
1: It's very interesting, Mm. actually, because uh, when you look at the manufacturing story that you just brought up, I keep on seeing the stories about, I mean, the chip industry, for example, and ASML has been very, very sharply in focus in the last couple of days. I mean, the biggest tech company in Europe, just um, situated just down the road from me in Eindhoven. Um, that is now having a go at China. VW, I think, is moving one of its primary factories to the United States. Um, Foxconn uh, moving to, not moving, but certainly starting up a a plant in India rather than China and employing over the next few years 100,000 people. Something's going on there. There is a trade war, isn't there? Oh,
0: yeah, there is. And like I said, you, what you're going to have is you're going to have a bifurcation, a panty as well. Uh, I don't know if you've heard it, but uh, someone was saying that apparently China has gotten a lot of IP out of uh, ASML, uh, so they they basically have some of the blueprints for making some of those fabs. Uh, and, and you've got to understand as well. I mean, people don't realize. I mean, the I think it's 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 sort of unfair to say that of all the things that humans do. Building computer chips is the thing we do best. Yes. We are getting closer to the end of what physics allows on computer chips than in anything else we do. The cars are nowhere near to what physics allows. You know, airplanes are not. Computer chips, we are dealing with quantum effects at that point in time where the wavelength of light is, is too big to do certain things, you no? Know? And we've got to use these ultra, you know, high energy lasers at a certain higher wavelength in order to basically make it small enough dense down there. Uh, to 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 do these things, so yeah, this is the the, the most advanced thing that humans do, do I think uh, that being said, uh, China has had a history of number one you know not doing things initially very well, but you know copying reasonably well over time, at least well enough and I think if they are forced to, they have a large population, a large educated population, and we could easily see you know maybe maybe they won 't be as good as the later generation chip, but they 'd be like a, you know a generation or two behind, but made entirely in China and entirely controlled by the Chinese. So I think that's something to be thinking about in the uh, in the near term, that what we're doing right now with not just the, the market in terms of manufacturing, but in terms of the dollar, uh, you know, what's happening Ch- in Russia, the Chinese have seen that, and they know that they're going to be next if they do anything that the U.S. We said insurance, what the Europeans have done with the uh, in insurance thing for the Russian oil. You don't tell me China and India right now are not, you know, Pumping on full cylinders trying to get their own insurance system in place to basically uh, not be vulnerable to this thing. So I think what's happened in Russia and the Ukraine has made the Chinese and possibly the Indians and a couple of other players out there really interested in making their own ecosystem around their currency, around financial systems and around things like chips and so on. And like I said, it's, it's going to create a lot of redundancy in the world, but also probably increase prices as well.
1: Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, it costs a lot of money to move one factory to another and to shift your manufacturing base from one continent to another. It takes years and it takes billions and billions of US dollars. And it affects trade flows and therefore currency movements. So it is a fascinating story. Let's come back home a little bit. Capitech came out with a voluntary trading statement today. What about this versus the old traditional big four? What do you make of Capitech, Viv?
0: Yeah, look, Capitech has obviously, you know, Kind of to the market. The share price didn't do too much today. It's basically down about 0.6 of a percent. You know, if you look at it over the last year or so, this company has is, has kind of come well off its peak. It's down about you know 25 percent off its peak. But you know, over the last you know five years or so, it's still up 90 percent. Uh, my belief has always been that there's one sector that's that's absolutely right for disruption, and that's the uh, banking sector. Much of the, the advantage that the big four banks have is because they had systems that were developed 100 years ago that worked and have not really been updated over the last 100 years. So they added a few things here or there. But if you had to start from scratch and build a banking uh, system right now and build a bank right now, uh, you really would not need the majority of things that that these uh, you know, companies have done.
1: Bricks and more the you mean.
0: Take is you, they. Yeah, bricks and mortar, the infrastructure uh, that they have in place and so on. A lot of it could just be handled by computers, by whatever. But the weird thing with Capitech is that even though it's the thing that's, that's, that's about disruption, they are the one company that's gone and done the stuff that the big banks do, the brick and mortar and the yes. you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> that's the big banks. They, they are not the digital like, you know, powerhouses out there. They are you know the ATMs and they are the, you know, the branches and that kind of stuff. So I do think that's that's quite interesting from that point of view. But like I said, I, I do think that longer term, it's going to be all on your phone. It's going to be all online. And, you know, We are going to see a really major disruption because there's not a real advantage of having, you know, 100 years of building branches and ATMs around the country if everyone just transacts via their phone, you know. It's it's very interesting. It's very
1: interesting you say that about bricks and mortar and Capitech because it wasn't that long ago, maybe um, seven, eight years ago, that I was living essentially next door to Robertson, just on the fringes of the Mm -hmm. Clay and Karoo. And... Used to go out on a Saturday morning, you know, because everyone gets paid weekly in that area or gets their benefits weekly in that area, and so Saturday morning would be really, really busy in the supermarket and uh, the banks. And I would, I would drive into Robertson, park my car, and I would see this huge queue of people. And it wasn't for some special or something. It was just trying to get into Capitec. Capitec had a branch there, bricks and mortar, as we've mentioned, and people queued there. And I'm sure that they're still doing that. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the people, old school people in that sort of rural area, that still go to the bank and uh, fill in a slip or something and get some money out. I don't know. Um, Capitec hasn't abandoned that type of customer. No,
0: it hasn't, and you know, and there's, there's an advantage in this country. Look, there is stuff about you know loans and institutions in South Africa right now, as we've been talking for a long time. You know, the consumers under pressure and people are borrowing to consume, and that might become an issue down the line. Uh, you know, I think that is something to be worried about from CapTech's point of view. Uh, I don't think it's quite as bad as that. Uh, you know, that that, uh, that uh, hedge fund, uh, you know, a, few, a year or so ago, but more than a year ago, in fact, uh, came out and said that they were like, you know, on the road to ruin because. Uh, They were, you know, uh, kind of uh, getting these customers onto affordable loads. Yes. I don't think it's quite that bad, but I do think they are going to be facing a lot of issues uh, as the country gets under more and more pressure uh,
1: because of the economic situation at the moment. Mm. Okay. The other ones that I've spoken about, the other trading updates, Metair was down around about 4%. That was a company that was really, really quite fashionable to own at the time. You know, we've been speaking about batteries in the past. Um, This was a battery manufacturer. Is Metair One, again, on your radar? Uh, not
0: really i mean uh, they've been a bit uh you know unfortunate in terms of like some of their exposure internationally turkey. uh being mm. affected by business in turkey and of course uh you know to this, uh, the causes you know of, of the turkey stuff is is partly you know homegrown partly the stuff that happened in the ukraine uh but i mean the, the turkish leader has been under insane pressure uh and if gets i'd be amazed by that but you know who knows people always do stupid things <laughs> uh yeah so uh <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that uh, that's that's an issue. Look, batteries right now are a very interesting, you know, aspect. But I don't know if Mete can compete uh, in, in the parts of the battery business that are interesting. You know what I mean? Uh, the stuff that's being done around, you know, new kinds of chemistry, new kinds of manufacturing, et cetera. Those are very, very interesting things, uh, you know. uh but I don't know if the, the, we we have a company there that's going to compete in that kind of sphere.
1: Yeah, it seems to have dropped off the, off the radar. The second time I've used that word radar. Yeah. But anyway, okay, let's have a look at the markets now because it's a really really quiet day today. Thankfully, I've got the dollar rand at eighteen fifty seven, which has barely changed. The dollar slightly weaker against the local currency. British pound is twenty two thirteen, which is a British pound that is point four percent higher against the local. Uh, the euro rand is nineteen sixty four. That's coming up to all-time record lows for the rand. Um, that's uh, about a point one percent rally for the euro. Euro dollar one hundred five eighty. The euro up not point two percent, and the British pound uh, still below one twenty one nineteen twenty at the moment. The gold price. It keeps on clinging on. It doesn't want to go down through eighteen hundred, so it's rallied by nineteen dollars an ounce today to eighteen thirty-one. The platinum price is down though, twenty-two to nine fifty-two. That's a two-point-three percent move, and a big move for palladium, six and a quarter percent weaker, down eighty-nine dollars to thirteen forty-two. Now um, the oil price has gone really quiet recently. It's currently eighty-three dollars forty-four for Brent crude, which is up nearly a percent. The West Texas crude seventy-seven dollars twenty up 0.6%. Natural gas prices up 3%. And what else have we got there? Steel prices up 2.6%. Yeah, not much else. Wheat prices down around about 2% um, currently. Now then, the US 10-year Treasury bond is yielding... Yeah, is it? Oh, no, it's dipped below 4% again. 3.96% currently. The South African 10-year, which to me looks terribly vulnerable, um, that was 10.23 this morning, but has rallied a bit to 10.20. In other words, the yield falling by three basis points from its high this morning. And S&P 500 futures uh really not much at all up a third of a percent it's sort of flirting with that 4,000 level it's sort of orbiting 4,000 these days 4,008 for the S&P and Bitcoin that thing uh what's it doing not doing much at all 21,600 down one and a half percent any shares that caught your eye other than the ones that had the trading updates Viv
0: yeah, we, we have uh, I think it's the biggest loser of the day. Yeah. Uh, down about 8% or so. Yeah, look, I mean, I think the property sector is in, in, in a bit of turmoil. Hammersmith has been on a downward trajectory for the last forever. In five years, uh, return is 82% negative, you know what I mean? It's less than what it was worth five years ago. Uh, and this is something I think that we have to understand is, is probably the new norm when it comes to uh, what's happening in the property sector, things are being revalued. And, you know, we, I don't even know if this is the right time to be looking to buy anything at the moment because revaluations are just uh, uh, going to be going forward with uh, increasing, I think, aggressiveness just because of technology changes, behavior changes, et cetera, et cetera.
1: I think I missed out Standard Bank, didn't I? I Around about um, 2 o'clock this afternoon, I think Standard Bank came out with their numbers. I've...
0: The Standard Bank dividend, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, that, yeah, that, yeah, a, a very nice little dividend that they gave out. Look, I mean, uh, year-to-date, that company is up about, say, 8%, 7%. A uh, little bit of a pressure coming through, like, the last couple of days, but today is positive. Yeah. Uh, I think there are issues around the uh, in the, some of the operations uh, internationally. They had to write down some of the stuff in Ghana. I think for one and a half billion rands or so, which is obviously you know uh, you know a bit of a negative. Uh, but I think that you know overall uh, the ability of the company to you know pay a nice little dividend out there uh, is is a bit of a positive. Overall, I do think, however, that anything that's going to be linked to you know the kind of uh, economics of the geographies they are in at the moment is going to be under pressure. Maybe longer-term things recover, but right now, the next couple of years look very bad uh, for the places Startup Bank does business in.
1: It's very, very interesting, though, that the banks have suddenly had a bit of a resurgence recently. I'm looking at my top five, on, oh, actually top four, because I'm not going to put Textainer in there. They're either up or they're down every single day. Aspen uh, suddenly has uh, caught people's attention, up another 4.5% today. First Rand up two and three percent AB InBev up 2.5% nearly, and Nedcor up nearly 2% as well. So the bank's starting to... Um, have A surge in popularity on the downside, as you said, Hammerson I've got down just over eight and a half percent, Exaro down nearly four, Mr. Price has fallen three and a third, TFG, another clothing retailer, down 3.1%, and also joining that group, Trueworth's down 2.9%. So, locally, the bank's doing well, Viv, and the retailer's not doing well at all. That just seems to be out of sync yeah. to me. Strange, isn't it? It is out of sync. These are the things. Look, I mean, we had some news as well today about the
0: S and P downgrading South Africa's credit outlook over infrastructure and other issues, uh, from positive to uh, basically uh, flat to hold. Uh, look, it, the, the the future looks very nervous at the moment. Uh, you know, uh, I remember really saw that 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 news report from uh, Netcare, uh, where apparently they are making plans for a grid collapse, uh, where they. Uh, I think, I think it's like a dozen hospitals or so are going to be like you know uh, centers where their staff can go and with their families in the event of a good infrastructure collapsing. Uh, you know that's it, it, an actual story. I mean, our major one of the major you know hospital networks is planning for the possibility of the good collapse and therefore wants to have its staff on site. And the only way to do that properly is to also have facilities for their work for their families as well. Uh, hmm. You know. Uh,
1: yeah, that's the kind of uh, stuff happening in Africa at the moment. So, Do you think a lot of um, yeah. companies are making contingency plans for the very worst in South Africa? Do you think they've got like a war chest? Do you think they've got almost like a metaphorical bunker in order to be ready should the worst happen? In other words, I don't know, there's some kind of revolution or the electricity grid completely collapses, that sort of thing. So I get the sense there might be a couple of companies that say, we have to do this. It would be irresponsible for us not to.
0: You companies in Africa are run by people, like everywhere else in the world, and those guys want to take care of themselves first. So if they can basically get a bunker situation going for themselves, and if they have to include a couple <laughs> key staff members in, the in there, they will do that. Uh, I mean, I, I know in South Africa there's a number of companies that had operations in Australia especially, and sometimes in places like Florida and so on, that didn't really make financial sense. But if you look at deeper, you ask the guys what they did, what's happening, it's the, the retirement plan. You, you get… Uh, visa to go and live in the us or in australia or whatever yeah. because you work for a company that does business there and so you effectively use the shareholders money to get yourself <laughs> you know uh, uh to a new country or a new passport uh, so i do i do think that's um that's quite frankly something to to be aware of the, the, these people that run, live in South africa and work at these companies and run these companies will almost certainly take measures to protect themselves and their families. And if they're going to do it based on a company bull and have to take care of a couple of the people along with it, they're more than happy to do that, just as long as they themselves are covered.
1: Mm. Okay, I won't ask you if you're covered. I won't ask you if you've got a bunker. But um, anyway, uh, this uh, that's, that's for a private conversation. Viv, give me the um, closing indices, if you would, on the JSC.
0: The overall market was slightly negative at the moment, uh, You know, closed down uh, after being much more negative in the day. Uh, at one point in time, we were about, uh, for the old share, we were about 76, 900. Uh, we ended up about 77, 600. so there's quite a nice recovery coming through. The resource sector was down a quarter of a percent again, uh, You know, much, much worse around midday, around about 12 o'clock, uh, sitting at about 64,100, 64,200, and in the day, over 65,200. Uh, industrials uh, down a third, uh, same pattern, and uh, financials as well uh, up about uh, basically about one percent point nine percent but again at this, by midday about twelve o'clock they were flat for the day, so we've seen a nice little recovery from the middle of the day. I think what's happening right now is the markets really awaiting that international news from the u s uh, their jobs numbers tomorrow uh, going to give us a clear indication what the job moves in the u s are going to be like uh, I've seen some estimates from some of the banks that Africa is looking to do one more rate hike if the Fed gets key, has forced to do a couple more an extra hike. And once we've been uh, priced into the market, I think that's going to be very negative for the country if we don't follow along, at least, with the matching it. Uh, because, you know, if we don't match what they are doing, the are going weaken more, causing more issues down the line.
1: Viv, thanks so much for your analysis. Viv, Governor, is from Rand Swiss, the award-winning Rand Swiss in Johannesburg. And that was the Five O'Clock Shadow. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position